Hey folks, welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Welcome to our Dutch Grand Prix preview. And I'm already hearing news from Netherlands that Max Verstappen has actually reached the coastal town of Sanforth a couple of days in advance. He set up his shop on Tuesday and luckily for him, it's his home race. So he doesn't need to worry about accommodation and all that stuff. But he was so quick last weekend that he ran past the Belgian border, straight into Netherlands, straight into Sanford, and he's got things settled up already. He was so good, right? But the big question this weekend is going to be, is he going to replicate the same performance or perhaps even better this time out? And that is exactly what we are going to discuss on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast, among many other things. But before we do that, I should actually introduce myself to you. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of The Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. And yes, joining me is Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team, a team that had lots of orange in their color. And of course, he of course is now as well an FIA accredited F1 journalist for the Via Play Network. He's so good that his introduction actually gets me speechless at times. So that's that's one great thing about Kunal. But one great thing about Kunal also is that he's got some amazing things to look forward to for every single race. Even though the rest of the world might be bored of the sport at this point, and they might be saying, ah, come on, what's the point of watching? Max is dominating. Why should we even bother? Kunal always has something fun up his sleeve. So what are you looking forward to the most this weekend, Kunal? Apart from the party, of course, that unfortunately both of us can't attend. Oh my goodness, Samuel. If there was anything that I was looking forward to the most after that introduction you've just given, right? It's I've been looking forward to the preview episode. You make me sound like I'm some superhero Formula One journalist with all the inside news on Piasco and whatever else is happening with Alpine and Gasly and the likes. No, I'm not. I wish I was. But uh, I am looking forward to the Dutch Grand Prix very simply because it's the Dutch Grand Prix. It's Max Verstappen racing at home. Uh, and, and you know, as much as I'm going to hate all the orange smoke that the fans are going to be lighting up, I believe the sea of orange is going to make the event so much more fun. I mean, it's it's a party atmosphere and somewhere in the middle there's a race. And I know it's very controversial when I say it this way, but I don't know which other driver is celebrated as passionately as Max Verstappen. He's been, you know, he's celebrated in Austria, in Germany, uh, sorry, in Austria, in in uh, Belgium, and now finally at his home in the Netherlands. And uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to a celebration. And you know, guys, remember one thing: the celebration is actually so much of a celebration that qualifying is actually happening one full hour before the normal. So remember to adjust your calendars or whatever it is that you need to make sure you have a reminder of when qualifying is actually going to start, Samal. And I suppose Verstappen would also be pretty celebrated back here in India as well. There's just this love for color orange, color orange but I'll, I'll let you guys figure out that joke on, on your own. But speaking of this weekend, it will be amazing because we know that Max is incredible here. Now, until last year, we were all just puzzled, right? Oh, is this guy going to be good enough? First home race for Max. I mean, yes, Max was a proven commodity at that time, but we didn't quite know how Sanforth would play out. But last year, Kunal, do you remember? He took pole position with a broken DRS wing by around a tenth and a half or maybe even a little bit more. I don't remember the exact margin, but it, it's just Max mania everywhere. I mean, I, I'm finding it so hard to think of anyone else who could even come close. 
is this where all the Lewis Hamilton fans tune off? I really hope not. I mean, we celebrate every driver for who he is or she is. And uh, frankly speaking, I mean, Max Verstappen is the only driver to have had pole position in Sunfoot, only current driver. Max Verstappen is only current driver to have won from pole position in Sandford. But Lewis Hamilton is the only driver to have the fastest lap in the race. So much as I would have loved to see a Hamilton Verstappen happening again, the truth is it is now going to be seen as to can, how much more of a margin can Max actually end up winning by, right? And that, that whole dominance that we saw in Hungary and then we've seen in Spa. But I'm still not done with our pre-episode banter some. You know, you started the episode by saying Max set shop in Tuesday. But the truth is, yes, he actually has set shop. I'm waiting to see if, you know, the Verstappen merchandise hits a bumper, you know, sales number just because he's racing, uh, uh, you know, he's racing at home and racing at home. And, you know, the circuit organizers, uh, you know, at Sanford are really some somebody that other circuit promoters should look up to because they really make this an event for people to attend. I mean, I've had people in Norway write to me saying, what's the one race to attend? And I'm like, if you get access passes to the 2025 Dutch Grand Prix, just book it because I don't think 23 and 24 are available, right? And this year, while we're talking of a real party that is going to happen every day of the Grand Prix weekend, we have fake gravel to look forward to. I mean, we've had the fake marina earlier in the year in Miami. Then we had the re- uh, the real swimming pool in in France. But now, you know, fake overtaking, we're getting fake gravel uh, at the Dutch uh, GPs. I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. For all we know, someday we might end up having fake Ferrari fans at the Italian Grand Prix as well. Because all of them will be so heartbroken by the time we get there. Nobody would want to turn up, but I I suppose that's never going to happen. But on on a more serious note, just why is Sanford so exciting? That's the major question we're going to answer after a short break. So be right here. We shall be back. Yes, indeed, folks. Welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. And you should join us for Monza next weekend. We had such a blast on the Inside Line F1 podcast's live race watch along on PTM Insider, last time out for the Belgian Grand Prix. And for Monza, access is open and free to everyone. So you can join in by clicking the link in the description below. The event is going to happen alongside the race. Obviously, it's a race watch along. And we're going to have Steve Slater share some of his best stories about the past and also analyze the race as it happens. Because trust me, he had some amazing insights on just exactly how to watch a race as it happens. So that's going to happen next weekend and we shall get to that in some time in more depth. But for Sanford Kunal, I remember last year, our podcast episode title for the race review was Zanford Brings Back All the Fun in the World. It's correct, isn't it? This track actually feels like a pinball circuit or maybe something straight off the Speed Racer movie. You've got so much of banking and so much of incline. It just feels... Feels like a Hot Wheels set or toy or something. What's just just watching cars <laughs> over here is is it just just a matter of fun in its own self? You don't even need to see racing to be excited here. You, you know, it's actually true. Just watching them drive around this circuit is so exciting with all the banking that you spoke of, and you know, like I spoke of the circuit organizers. They, of course, you know, through the modifications, said, you know, guess what? No other circuit has as much banking as we've 
you know, we're going to have. So suddenly they've put two banked corners out there, right? And Suzuka has a bit of off cambers, bit of banking. Yes, Saudi Arabia has some as well, but nobody has done it the way these guys have done it. And this year's banking, one of the banked corners is going to have the open uh, DRS as well. And like Daniel Ricardo said, I'm going to let somebody else try it before I actually go ahead and have a go at that as well. So I'm I'm looking forward to to that challenge as well. But you know, when you when you sit through all the driver interviews and you hear them, the one thing that they're all speaking about is the challenge of driving at Sanfoot and how it's such a driver's circuit. And, you know, somebody like a Sebastian Vettel turned around and said that the first half of the circuit is just so incredible. It's narrow, it's it's tight, it's twisty. Uh, you know, it's like having a Hungary, but a more high-speed Hungary is what a few drivers also said. So just watching the drivers on a single qualifying lap is going to be so much fun i would say you know because spa was all about long and flowing corners but here is a more short and twisty track and uh, just different set of challenges engineering challenges that the teams would go through in a spa- you know in a in a span of just uh, a weekend solo exactly now there are three circuits i would absolutely pay my money just to watch cars drive on on this year's Formula 1 calendar, that is. First has to be Saudi Arabia for just the amount of speed that they carry over there. Then there's Spa for the history element of it and the way the cars dance around the forest. But then comes Saint Fort. My word, it feels amazing to watch the cars over here. But actually, Kunal, do you know the backstory to how the circuit was initially constructed? And uh, rhetorical question. I'll actually still continue with my story anyway. Now, yes, uh, yes. I, I have no clue of your stories. <laughs> but it's, it's actually going to be a lot of fun, trust me. Because uh, back in the day, they actually wanted to organize a bit of a car rally in this particular part of the Netherlands. And they ended up doing it back in 1939. But then again, as we all know, if you, of course, know a little bit of history, that the world events in Europe started to go a little bit sour. And we had invasions and we had the war, unfortunately. And all that happened. But the Netherlands, unfortunately, that is... Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, again, you may decide, but they were invaded by the Germans. And now the the Dutch were like, okay, whatever, this is a situation we shall come out of later, but we really want a car race over here. Wouldn't that be fun? So do you know how they actually uh, convinced the Germans to help them build the circuit eventually? It's It's the most outrageous story you might have ever heard about any circuit being built. This so is turning out to be my favorite episode with the introduction and now with this history <laughs> special from you. Ah, thank you. But it's crazy. So what actually happened was the organizers of that time, they actually duped the Germans into thinking that they were asking funds to build a road to commemorate the Germans after they had won the war. So the front stretch you see today, it's actually, oh, when it was back in the day, built by the Germans as just a stretch to commemorate the Germans after they had won the Second World War. Now that didn't happen. But the front stretch was there. So they were like, okay, now that we've got the main part done, why don't we put in some of our own money and then build our own circuit? And that's exactly what happened. That's how Sanford initially came into construction because obviously when you're when you're invaded by another country, you don't quite have the funds to build a racetrack. So you've got to do what you've got to do. <laughs> Crazy times, isn't it? The way it all played out eventually. I love the history. And imagine if the Dutch driver ends up beating the German team, which is probably going to happen. But I mean, that's, I'm just based on form. I, it's not any betting that I'm doing, just based on form. No. But I, lo- I love the whole history to it, Samuel, and just makes the old school circuit feel that much more old school and historic. And, 
you know, another stat which has come from F1 stat guru, who you're going to hear from very, very shortly, is uh, the safety car has never made an appearance at the Dutch Grand Prix, nor has any race been red flagged, right? This is despite it being such a narrow circuit with very little, you know, room for error. Uh, drivers needing a lot of focus and and commitment, uh, and and I'm excited to see you know if this stat sort of continues. I mean, there have been so many times we're like, yeah, you know what? It's a it's this race will definitely have some stoppages, and then boom, you have all 20 drivers finishing. So let's see what happens this uh, Sunday. Yeah, it's crazy that's that actually because back in the day. They didn't really have a regard for safety as much. So the, the Zanford used to be on the calendar before they actually had safety cars in the first place. So that's the reason why the safety car start isn't there. And the red flags, they barely ever used to do it. I mean, if you ever had a car stopped, whatever, who cares? The car might be where it is. You keep on racing. Ah, ridiculous times. But there's not the only piece of history that Zanford has. There's a lot more that we want to share with you and... For that, firstly, we've got to tell you how Sanford is pronounced. So here's our dear listener, Hus. I hope I have pronounced your, pronounced your name correctly. But he, he actually sent in an amazing voice note to us, actually helping us pronounce the circuit's name. So why don't we listen to him first and how you actually call Sanford? I hope I've done it correctly. Hi, Kunal. I was just listening to your fantastic podcast. And there was a question how you would pronounce Zandvoort. Well, it's Zandvoort. Thank you. Bye-bye. So then, now that we know what the circuit is called, do you want to know some history behind Turn 1, the Tarzan Corner? Here's F1 Stats Guru coming up with a really fun story on that. Let's talk about the mystery behind the naming of the first corner at Circuit Sandford, which is called Tarzan Bokht. Now, I know what you're thinking. Is the corner named after the Tarzan, the character that we've read about in books and seen in movies, the one that swings from one wine to another? Well, you can say so in a way, but there are quite a few interesting versions on how it's got its name. One story goes like this. When the circuit was being planned in 1948, it was on a plot of land that consisted of several vegetable gardens which had to be removed so as to build the track. One particular garden owner, who was called Tarzan by the locals for his gigantic figure, wasn't too keen on giving up his garden. And that put the whole plan of the circuit into jeopardy. The guy wouldn't budge and apparently the mayor of Zandford promised Tarzan that a corner on the circuit would be named after him. And that's when he finally agreed to let go. Some say the corner got its name from the road roller that was used in the construction of the circuit which was also nicknamed Tarzan. While others believe the movie The Tarzan of the Apes was the inspiration behind this turn because it was highly popular after the Second World War. What are the true origins of that corner? No one really knows. But at least we'll get to see drivers swinging through that fast corner, battling high gravitational forces and also pulling an overtake or two on the way. Well, I hope you found that interesting and to hear more such stories from the world of Formula 1, keep listening to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. My words, so many numbers to look forward to this weekend. And beyond the numbers, I suppose, Kunal, the story remains the same. The question remains the same. Have Ferrari got it in them to challenge Red Bull Racing this time out as well? Unfortunately, the excitement is just fading away in most people. I mean, not not, not that it's fading away in us, because we've got tons of different things to look forward to in a race weekend. And that's why, of course, we want to share them with you. But the general consensus, unfortunately, seems to be that the championship is dead. Now, that's that's not really fun, is it? I mean, it, wouldn't it be amazing to see Ferrari actually kind of do something for once and maybe maybe end up winning a race at Sanford, upset the apple cart and leave 
what is it the hundreds and thousands of dutch fans wanting to break some wanting to break some lamps on the way back home you mean upset the orange cart because clearly that's what they oh, need to upset <laughs> that's a good one you know i'm surprised i'm bad it's a bad joke <laughs> i have one more i have one more right last year the organizers turned the you know the speed the speed uh, limits symbols or the speed limit uh, uh, signs from 30 to 33 to commemorate max verstappen's number i really wonder if they're going to change that to 1 km per hour this year given that <laughs> you know max is on the one number right because it's his home race and again another one from stat guru uh, and this is why we love him right valtteri bottas kevin magnussen and alex albon are the only drivers on the 2022 grid to not have a home race right now technically joe guanyu doesn't have a home race even though his home race has a contract but that's not what this episode is all about it's it's about can ferrari uh, attack uh, red bull racing and can mercedes attack ferrari and that's the hope we are all carrying and you know this whole talk of is the championship over Let's let's look at it from a driver's perspective. You know, at the start of the season when you ask a driver, "Hey, you have a strong car, do you think you're in it for the title?" and pretty much every driver, and I mean every driver including a Nicolas Latifi would say this. I'm taking every race uh by race. I'm approaching uh each race for the result it can give me, and that's what we should do. Just take it eventually if the championship ends as early as Singapore, so be it. If it gets stretched to Brazil or or Kota or even Abu Dhabi so be it it's just one of those uh, moments that we've got to sort of live with right so for me i'm just happy to celebrate the dutch grand prix for what it is yeah let's hope we are able to celebrate some sort of racing in it as well because last year it was fun to watch the cars but we couldn't quite get a lot of action in there and what i'm really curious to see is how traffic plays out over here because that could have a huge impact on the way proceedings go about especially in qualifying because we've spoken a lot about how narrow the circuit is and with so many cars in Q1 that's going to be a genuine issue also in the race as well we saw that blue flags were becoming a bit tricky yes it's it's still possible in many places for drivers to zoom past very easily but don't expect drivers to be completely quiet on the radio about blue flags they will be on it which means that calculating gaps in your pit stops is also going to be very tricky kunal because it's such a small circuit it's such a small lap there's barely any gaps to actually fall into so maybe that could add another variable into strategy which means that it's going to be tricky for ferrari because more variables more plans maybe they might end up going to plan g like mclaren <laughs> and you know qualifying is actually becoming very very uh crucial in 2022 uh, because what's happened is the teams are really bunched up in the midfield and even though the cars are able to follow each other better and overtake and so on just starting in uh, you know in a good position like say what Alex Albon did last weekend in spa uh could just help you stay or finish in a position in or around that especially if you have the speed to be there as well so that's another thing to look forward to why qualifying is important and yes ferrari have have had issues in strategy and i have two points to that first is carlos sainz said nobody congratulates ferrari when they get the strategy right but hey you know i remember many years ago when i used to sit through an appraisal and my my boss would turn around and say sorry that's some watch in my studio beeping 
but yeah when i used to sit through an appraisal and and my my manager or my boss would turn around and say hey uh you know you you get an average rating or you get a good rating or you get an a meets expectations rating that's the kind of rating that you know ferrari should at least do meets expectations so you don't need to be congratulated for good strategy that's what you're being hired for for good strategy and i know this is probably <laughs> never going to go to carlos science but that's where it is the other thing is ferrari are increasingly convinced that their issues in spa were circuit specific so they're hoping that they'll be able to close in the gap on sanfort and then similarly with mercedes they think that the temperatures in in uh, spa and their inability to generate heat in the tires compounded their issues and that's why they were 1.8 seconds off so how close or far will mercedes be this week and that's going to be one thing to look forward to and it's not surprising that both these teams are on my list of uh, people or a group of people who need to improve for the weekend i love it kunal i, I i've never seen you so i mean I, you've been passionate about formula 1 but i've never seen you so passionate in dissecting ferrari it, it's just what the team has done to all of us isn't it it makes you feel like a sky sports pundit i suppose where you just where you just want to get all your thoughts out and sky sports will end up making a video on it and say oh kunal and somil have a heated discussion about ferrari whereas it's just us talking about their strategy it's just the way the world is actually but <laughs> i i love that point you mentioned it's it reminds me so much of all the football pundits that are going about where they just end up saying the same thing you shouldn't be congratulated for doing your job there's this amazing one called roy keen uh, in the world of football and he says oh well that's his job you shouldn't congratulate a postman for doing his job right does he celebrate whenever he kind of delivers any post or any mail so it's it's crazy how ferrari are thinking and in our latest episode of crazy ferrari quotes matteo binotto ended up going on one of the websites i don't remember which one and he said that our strategy isn't wrong in our perspective we just have to look at it differently people are not giving us a chance to explain ourselves i'm paraphrasing but come on come on what perspective are they seeing from i mean have they got a, have they got a lens number of 10 or 8 or, or something <laughs> i don't know, you know and he's still he's still backing his team for the fastest lap stop they made in belgium last weekend which has baffled everybody else but ferrari it's probably baffled charles leclerc as well but anyway we are we are not going to dissect ferrari i have to ask you who are the two people or two teams or a mix of all of that on your list who needs a good result in sanford oh that's a good one actually uh, uh i've got to go for alfa romeo to be very honest with you because this second half of the year hasn't been very kind to them actually not uh, ever since we've had the british grand prix it seems like results are just declining for them and it's not just results unfortunately it's also reliability that's been a major issue on their part i mean i remember valtteri bottas barely doing any laps in the preparation to the belgian grand prix last time out and then he barely did any laps in the race as well so it's pretty unfortunate the way things are going for them all the good luck and the good momentum and the good form they had built up until azerbaijan just seems to be dwindling down and they're returning to the old sauber of this last decade so yeah i think they have to be the first team to watch for so joe and bottas but what about you kunal before i go to my second one what do you have to say about that you know valtteri bottas has gone five races without scoring a point and this is his worst points uh, non-scoring streak since his 2013 season wow. with williams can you imagine 
wow. I, I was I was flabbergasted when I read this. He's actually been scoring points so consistently that just five races was not being in the points after so many years in Formula One, and suddenly he's made a record of his own, which he probably wouldn't be proud of. Yeah, I, I actually didn't expect it to be that long. But once you think about it, he's just been so consistent all the way through. You can't take that away from him. Of course, it helps to be in a Mercedes, definitely does. But you've got to earn your way up there as well, right? So I really feel bad for Alfa Romeo at this moment in time. And the second team slash driver to focus on, in my opinion, would be Aston Martin. I'm just going to keep on sticking with the A's in this case. Because in Belgium Canal, we saw something quite special in practice sessions, right? We saw Lance Stroll going out there, setting quick lap times. And it's not like they were normal quick lap times. They were consistently fast. And then, much like the Canadian Grand Prix, where, of course, Aston Martin seemed like they could potentially get a top five in qualifying, they just ended up dwindling back to Q1. So I'm very curious about what, what's actually happening over there. Just, is their car good for long run pace? And if it is, then why are they not able to get most points out of it? Just what happens in qualifying? And with qualifying being so essential here at the Dutch Grand Prix, I just want to see how things play out with Aston Martin. So they're the second team to watch for this time out. And dare I say Ricardo as well, right? Because when he might think, oh, finally I've been liberated. All the orange flares are for me. Might as well go out there and celebrate. <laughs> McLaren, the other orange team, needs a good result, I would say, uh, especially in their whole fight with Alpine. But interesting point on Aston Martin, uh, Aston Martin, right, was that they have consistently not been able to qualify well with that car, but their car actually comes alive in the race. And, you know, it's a very interesting conundrum because it's actually a green Red Bull but it's performing like a green silver arrow because, uh, you know, uh, the Mercedes comes alive in the race as well, but is nowhere in in uh, in qualifying. So it's a good mix of a Red Bull versus Mercedes design philosophy that's working or, and not working for the folks at Aston Martin. Force of habit, I suppose. They're still stuck in 2020. Could be. Probably. But we have to. We have to queue now to... Uh, the stats preview from F1 stats guru Sundaram. So here it goes. Hey folks, it's time to do the stats preview of the Dutch Grand Prix. My name is Sundaram, also known as the F1 stats guru. Let's talk numbers. Now the Sanford track is not very wide and overtake friendly like Spa Francorchamps. It's very narrow, especially for the new age cars. So qualifying higher up the grid is going to prove very beneficial on race day. Over 74% of the races have been won from the front row, but that didn't seem to bother the likes of Reni Anu and Nicky Lauda, who won in 1983 and 1985 after starting 10th on the grid. Now, we know Max Verstappen knows a thing or two about starting from 10th or 14th, and looking after looking at his exploits in the last two races, I'm pretty sure he's not going to seem too bothered about where he starts this weekend. Over 90% of the overtakes last year were completed in the DRS zones and 71% of them were done going into the first corner. The pole sitters will also hope to keep ill luck at bay this time because they've suffered 11 retirements in the 31 races here. If the reigning champion, which is Max Verstappen, who's also the local boy, if he does win this time as well, it'll be the first time he's won four races on the trot in his F1 career. And lastly, Fernando Alonso could claim yet another record this time as well. If he finishes this race, if he sees the checkered flag, he'll equal Kimi Raikkonen's record of 278 Grand Prix finishes in Formula 1. That is the stats preview. You'll find more such interesting stats and facts on my Twitter and Instagram pages. Do check it out under the name F1 Stats Crew. I'll see you guys later. 
Hey folks, welcome back into the Inside Line F1 podcast. The last voice you heard was of F1 stats guru Sundaram. And my word, he's got so, so many of them. I mean, I'm just keen to see if we are actually going to see any other areas where we have overtakes, like the one he mentioned. Like 90% of them completed in DRS zones and 71% in turn one. I'm curious, with the DRS now open for the final corner, Will we see anyone going for a dive bomb? But that's that's just a bold prediction from my end. But speaking of bold predictions, Kunal, what do you have? What predictions do you have to make for this weekend? I would love to meet people who wouldn't predict a Max Verstappen win this weekend. Maybe a Charles Leclerc poll, who knows? But a Max Verstappen win this weekend. And I already know that you are putting Carlos Sainz on the top step step of the podium. Yet again. I'm like that uh, Spanish YouTube channel who always puts Fernando Alonso on the top of the podium. And you should check that guy out. I think it's called Ultimo Mini Tunes. He makes comics on Formula One, but it's like a random world where Fernando Alonso always ends up winning. So I'm I'm Ultimo Mini Tunes, but essentially for Carlos Sainz. But uh, I'm going to be backing you on the same one on that. I think Leclerc could take pole position, but we all know that Max is going to win, right? So let's spin this around a little bit. By how many seconds is Max going to win? I'm saying 15. <laughs> what about you? I would say maybe maybe five seconds. I have no math. It's just one more uh, you know prediction. By the way, we're going to have a pole, pole position prediction competition as well, right? So look forward to, to that one on our social media handles, guys. And, uh, you know, talking of Max, if he does win at home, it would be the first time in his career that he's won four races on the trot. And I am going to predict that he will have those 13 race wins in the season, maybe even one more. But who knows where it goes, Sonu? Yeah, let's wait and watch this weekend. But speaking of wait and watch, you can do that with us for the Italian Grand Prix coming up the weekend after this one as well. And access is open for everyone. It's completely free to everyone. So check out the link in the description below to know how you can watch the Italian Grand Prix with us on the Inside Line F1 podcast, along with Steve Slater as well. So do that in the meantime, but enjoy the race weekend, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we shall be back with the race review. Bye-bye.